Welcome to This Is Wet, the podcast where we too are relieved not to be associated with the Disney Corporation. I'm Sophie. I'm Caitlin. And joining us today, we have our friend, our fellow comedian, sketch writer, Mark. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys doing? So I had... I mean, okay, so this was, whose brainchild was this episode? Ooh, that would be me. And I will tell you why. Okay. Okay, are you ready for the twist? It wasn't really me. (laughs) It was, I think I synthesized the two of your ideas because I knew Mark felt uh, very strongly about The Secret of Nim. Uh, Mm -hmm. in that it was it was that was an example for him of a wet movie and then sophie of course uh mentioned thumbelina was a was a memory that she dragged up and i was thinking why those two in particular Mm. and it got me thinking that it's the same uh director and animator and that man's name is don bluth and i feel that he just has a drippy style of animation (laughs) a wet visionary as you would He's a wet visionary who has a singular style of drippy animation, and I really wanted to go into that, and I thought, well, let's have Mark on here to do this. And these two movies juxtaposed against each other, they're so <laughs> different, and yet I, I did notice some uh, common themes among them that we will journey through. Yeah. From... So today we're going to be doing two uh, movies directed by animator, director, former former Disney animator also, Don Bluth. Also, an auteur. Would you would I, I would I would agree. Although he's not on the less, level. Of he's Robert no Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez in that he needs a staff of like two hundred people who he's working <laughs> to the bone. Which <laughs> yeah. Well, we will we will get into that. We will get into the labor practices of John Bluth. Uh, <laughs> so, just to start with, Mark, we like to start the show by uh, kind of getting into uh, something wet that's happened in the past week. Something wet wet that's happened to you, or a piece of wet media that you can't stop thinking about. Oh boy! While while you think about that, uh, I would I'll volunteer to go first. Because I something so profoundly impacted my life this week that was wet that I had people in my life who care about me tell me that I needed to stop watching it because I was getting too worked up. And I like it was it was like starting to affect my life. Uh, I was on my brother's Twitch channel. Um, he's a really funny guy, Money Worms. TV on Twitch and we raided someone else's channel at the end of his stream which was really fun and it like made the person's night it was it was very cool it's like a surprise bunch of viewers that a channel doesn't realize they're getting and this person after like a great evening he was he was painting dinosaur miniatures it was adorable um like little figures mm-hmm. and then he he was like, all right, to wrap up the evening, I will just play this. And this is where I will lose all of my followers that I just got. <laughs> and he played a clip that I sent both of you from, I think it's from the animated Return of the King. Yes, yeah, from the, the 1970s. Yeah. yeah. And it's like of orcs singing a little song about whips and chains. And... It, it just like, I don't know, it like tickled some part of my brain that was like, whoa, I, I swear I like heard a sploosh sound as soon as I saw it. And it changed my life forever, I think. So that was, that for me was it. And, and I did, I did watch it and I have a vague memory of, of that Lord of the Rings animated series. What would you say is the most critically wet part of that clip? Uh, it's the it's how the orcs are animated. There, it's the same way that uh, Don Bluth animates his uh, rodents, <laughs> where like every it's like got drippy bits and yeah, warts yeah, yeah. all over it, and yeah, then the, just this weird song. 
it's like a dirge. Mm-hmm. The song mm-hmm. is a dirge. And, and yeah, that combination was just... Yeah. yeah. I, I think it, it was brave to animate orcs as, like, yeah, as rodent dogs. I mean, I think that, that, <laughs> yeah. that like, yeah, maybe... Uh, who's the guy that did Lord of the Rings? Peter... Peter, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, like, maybe could have could have taken some notes from that, because that, that was sick. Yeah, I, something, a wet piece of media that I'm watching for the first time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I think, I think people have heard of it. And, <laughs> I've never, I've never and, watched it. It's a little show. <laughs> it's good. It's it is it is very much like a lot of the movies we talk about. Very much of its time. Very much got those like Whedon-ish quips in it, and just the prosthetics, the the demon faces. Yeah, just the bullshit supernatural stuff. It's just it's very wet. The te- the teen drama is very wet. Uh, there, but there is a episode where the swim team members of the swim team are slowly being turned into creatures from the black lagoon like shape of water like just copies of that mm-hmm. and you find out spoiler for a very um non-essential buffy episode but essential to me is that the swim coach was dosing with the, in the steam room of the swim team them with a steroid that turns them into fish <laughs> so that they can swim more but they eventually turn swim better but they eventually turn into these fish monsters and they can no longer be a part of society when they turn into the fish monster you just find piles of their flesh left behind oh yeah. yep there it is and of, there yeah it and of is. course like fucking xander gets involved Ugh. Very, and they feed the nurse, school nurse to to the. He's like, my boys are hungry, <laughs> so they're oh, cannibals oh. too. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a great episode. Amazing. So, what do you think? What do you think, Mark? What what was the so, critical wet moment of your week? Ever since I have spoken with you guys, I've kind of been semi enthralled with this wetness factor, and it kind of doesn't leave my life now. It's become it's it, it'll do it's that. Become it gets a, under your skin. A slight obsession. I don't remember what channel it was on, but I was streaming through um, just regular cable, and Matilda happened to be on. Oh yeah! <laughs> I forgot how incredibly scarred I was from that movie, particularly from one scene that I think might be, in my opinion the wettest scene I know what it is for me ever yeah um and it's the chocolate yeah. cake scene yep yep her sweat and blood went into this cake and you will not leave this platform until you have consumed the entire confection and i'm not kidding when i watched that when i was younger i stopped eating chocolate cake <laughs> for years Mainly because of that. <laughs> How often were you eating chocolate cake before, though? <laughs> a lot, and and I and I and I and I love it again. I love chocolate on chocolate cake is my jam. But it took me a really long time to get back to that. Yeah. Do you um, also refuse to go in Iron Maiden since you've been like you were going in Iron Maidens <laughs> all the time? Now you're just like, oh no, I can't. Yes. Yes, I can't anymore. I saw that movie in theaters with my mom and my aunt and we I started freaking out at that scene Mm -hmm. so badly that we walked out and my mom like demanded our money back (laughs) I don't want to derail us off of this but it's still on same topic of Matilda but I think and I don't know if the podcast will get to this point of ranking wettest actors but I think Danny DeVito should be in the conversation because his I mean Matilda naturally, and then I think that his penguin mm-hmm. in oh, Tim Burton's so Batman uh, returns so mm-hmm. so wet, uh, and then even Frank and Always Sunny <laughs> is constantly dripping, disgustingly wet. Yeah, he's he's a man who loves to he loves to be wet in a project <laughs> yeah. when he's working on a film. 
Yeah, I, well, so we we will get into, I think, theories about when, at what point in an actor's mm-hmm. career, they either go from wet to dry or dry to wet. Mm-hmm. And I think Danny DeVito is someone who has gotten wetter over the mm-hmm. years. And at a certain, yeah, and conversely, I think Harrison Ford was super wet. Like, mm-hmm. always had to be covered in le- multiple layers of sweat and grime in his movies. Up until, like... I have to investigate this more. I said in the pilot it was Firewall where he decided to go dry. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so (laughs) Yeah, so that's definitely We'll run the schematics on Danny DeVito. We'll we'll fire up the (laughs) our we have a computer that's just it has vines on it. It's just always bleeding like blue milk. And just the keyboard is just every single one sticks together. And we'll we'll plug Mark, we'll plug it in. It's just there's fog. Appreciate it fog coming out of all the ports perfect <laughs> all right yeah. so uh so what i thought we could do now is go into some topics that mm-hmm. i saw cropping up in both movies and we can just get into it mm-hmm. what do we think about that love, love it. it all right so to me the first thing that sticks out is how he identifies magic how he identifies the the supernatural mm-hmm. happening, and that's that sparkly effect. Yeah, that he has. It's it's on the fairies in Thumbelina, and mm-hmm. it's like everywhere in Nim. But whenever like the amulet is is in play mm-hmm. and stuff, uh, it's that sparkly animation is mm-hmm. something that he really mastered and wanted to show off. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that actually does lead so. Yeah, I want to get. I'll give a shout out. I most of my my sweet sweet Don Bluth info comes from the podcast Wizard and the Bruiser. They do a great Don Bluth episode, and they were kind of talking about how what he loved about when he w- did work at Disney. He worked on Sleeping Beauty. He loved mm-hmm. Snow White. He loved the, those kind of uh, classic golden era because they were dark films that like centered death and magic and they weren't afraid to be like really disturbing yeah <laughs> like there are scenes in sleeping beauty yep. that are that are deep deeply perturbing to my soul yeah and some of that might be due to like who he is but also uh he was raised as a mormon so like religion is very important to him so like a sense of mysticism that was another another thing brought up but I don't know too much about Mormonism. I don't know how much uh, sparkles are involved, but Twilight. <laughs> My main thoughts on on him is that like the reason why he is so driven to create these drippy, wet movies, and oh, I mean the folk like the focus on animating water, like splashes mm-hmm. of water, so much. Mm-hmm. I think it's because yeah, we can't ignore the fact that he's a Mormon and. Did you guys see this? That he his half cousin is Mitt Romney. I did. I did no. find that out. Well, <laughs> no, I'm, I didn't know that. A yeah. very dry man. Yeah, but very so dry. I think that this comes out maybe in his animation because it's a thing repressed and oh yeah, like valid. That's point. where that's where I sort of made the connection. Was <laughs> as soon as I figured out he was Mormon, I was like, oh. That's why he focuses on all this splashy, goopy stuff so much. Because it's like, you're forced not to think and talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, if you're related to Mitt Romney, yeah, you're going to want to have a sort of an exhaust pipe for all of the wetness and goop and, and just filth. Yeah. Yeah. But also, for sure. it's making so much... I didn't even think about this. In Thumbelina... Literally, the the whole entire plot of Thumbelina is just a series of kidnappings and trying to marry her. That's the only thing. It's like one person wants to marry her, then the next person wants to marry her, then the next person wants to marry her. And I was, and even in um in Nim, the crow. I think Jeremy was the crow. Yeah, like, Jeremy. Lots of sex. Lots of sexual tension there between. Right. Between those two. Okay. And he's you. like, and he's like, I want to get married. He's like, I can't wait to get married. And I'm like, why are every single man in 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 this, every single person, every single character, just is like, I want to get. Do we married know anything tomorrow. about about his love life? I just assume like 
and marriage is very important to Mormons. So yeah. I, I thought that's what it was. I was like, okay, now all the marriage stuff kind of makes sense. Yeah. Oh, Ta- I want you both to talk more Probably, about the yeah. sexual tension between Jeremy and uh, what's her name? Mrs. Brit. Miss. Um, Mrs. Brisby? Oh yeah, just Mrs. Brisby. Yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Brisby. Yeah. 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 She doesn't have a first name, I guess. Yeah. No. She. She is. She is defined by. But honestly, like Mrs. Brisby is a heroic character. Oh, she yes. is a feminist icon. Yes. There are not, and this is like what you don't. That this was like his fir- first feature film break off from Disney. And when in Disney have we ever gotten a widowed single mother as the protagonist? Like, never. Right. right. You're not going to get, you're, you're maybe going to get like a cute little widowed father. You're going to definitely going to get a widower yeah. in Disney. <laughs> like, parent, like, parents die. But she is like, she's awesome. She's yeah, just she is. Courageous. Cora- so courageous. Ah. Ah. I volunteer for Dragon. Oh, no, Mrs. Brisby. Nicodemus, this is no job for her. Please. As you wish. I mean, she she volunteered to go and get the... um, To drug uh, the cat. (laughs) To drug the cat. Yes, yes, to go and drug the cat. She volunteered. The way her husband died. She was leaving. Yeah. Yeah, she was leaving. Yeah, that and and she would have left her kids alone if she died doing that. Yeah. That's crazy. That takes a lot of guts. Yeah. She would have left them alone with a crow who they don't know. They don't know him. Who they don't know and had been hitting on her for several several days now since they met in a in a pile of yarn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Constantly like bound Constantly up. Constantly tied yarn. down. What's up with that, Bluth? Do you want to be tied down? <gasps> yes. Oh yeah, because the yarn is it tied down out. in marriage or is it sexually tied down? I, I don't know. I think both. I want to say yeah. Both. Let's get him on the show. Let's get him on the podcast. <laughs> He's still alive. I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, which is, again, there's so much to love, and so yeah, Mrs. Brisby is so awesome, and versus fucking Thumbelina, who is Ugh. the most passive. <laughs> doormat of a character it was like bad things happen to her which like again that's the fairy tale she's just like okay (laughs) or like it's it's impossible perhaps i should marry the mole he could take care of me he could Hmm. i will i will marry the mole Yeah, it is. uh, Well, and she changes how she feels about things. She's like, right, based on whatever Giacomo, who he is like such a wet character, Giacomo, just the way he talks and his name is Giacomo. And he's a swallow. He says, I myself am a swallow of great pleasure. (laughs) When he said that in his French accent, I was like, wet, wet character. He, whatever he says, she's like, okay. And then he'll, like, literally whatever he says, she's like, that's what I Not believe. even Giacomo, like, even the, like, the mouse character or any of yeah. the hideous creatures wanting to marry her. She's just like, okay. And it's like, she, just anyone's opinion can kind of influence, influence what she's thinking in the moment, which. I was, so, I, when I watched Thumbelina versus Nim, and I hadn't seen either in a very long time. I remembered Nim being extremely wet. Mm-hmm. I thought it's it was so not as wet as I remembered, but I feel like wetness sticks with you more than dryness. So yeah. I think that's the reason why I thought it was so wet as soon as we started talking about mm-hmm. this. But the thing that I noticed was, and Thumbelina obviously, like, you know, there's some seriousness to it, but I thought that Nim was extremely adult mm-hmm. for a children's mm-hmm. film. I mean, tackling things like when uh, the whole, what, he, what NIM even stands for, which I don't think they act, actually spell it out, they but didn't. it's probably like 
national something mental health or they, something like that i'm assuming they did in my version that you you see a scene with the humans and they're like we keep getting calls from the national institute for mental health asking us if our rats there we are go. weird like, and they're just exactly. like exactly but to tackle something like that like animal yeah. testing in yeah. a children's oh, movie yeah. is crazy yeah and I think that that kind of lends itself to it being his first film away from Disney yeah. where he's like, let me go really hard on this stuff, mm -hmm. which is probably why the movie was so wet and so, I mean, wetness lends itself towards a dark nature, yeah. which is mm -hmm. sort of what, what it was tackling anyways. And I feel like Thumbelina was not as wet by any means yeah. as Nim, at least my opinion, when I saw it. And I think, I yeah, I think there there is a, a darkness and a and a... Yeah, not watering it, not watering things down. It's almost like, you know, when you pick up a log and you see the underside of the log and it's all very, it's very wet yeah. and slimy, but that it is just a revealing of how things really are and being, being serious mm -hmm. to, serious and transparent with kids that like the world, the world is pretty fucked up and they tortured this beagle. You need to know. Wait, wait, what beagle? <laughs> there's there a beagle a in the lab. <laughs> they show like they show rabbits, they show the mice, they show the rats, and then they show a beagle. And over over He's like cowering in the corner and they were like, okay. of like his yeah, kids. And they were like, they tortured us in ways you can't even imagine, and then there's a beagle. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this is a great other this was like my probably my biggest segment that I yeah. took notes on. Uh let's talk about animals. Let's talk about Don Blue's <laughs> obsession with drippy rodents. Drippy rodents. The rodents are so drippy. Like, oh my god. It just warty and drippy. And I I was like, what about the animals is so in both movies is mm -hmm. so different and off to me and it's that he's not trying to make it cute he's not trying to make like mm -hmm. cute little mm -hmm. animals i remember there's a i think a cow at the beginning of thumbelina and then like a bull or something and they're they just have these like big bulbous noses and like weird features and it's like instead of a cute little animation it's mm -hmm. like a caricature and it's like Mm -hmm. It's like when Don Bluth broke off from Disney, he, mm -hmm. so he, you know more about how he was with his staff, but I imagine he was just like, everybody listen up, okay? Don't, I don't want a single person to animate a cute goddamn animal in this movie. <laughs> I don't want to see one cute animal. I don't want to see him. <laughs> I think, well, I think that that last movie that they did was the fox and the hound before he broke off with a bunch of people i, lo I love i love that movie. that movie is so and he was dark just like, fuck it's my yeah favorite, yeah he was like favorite disney movie fuck fuck that movie um uh but it wasn't i think it wasn't like dark enough for him or something <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so he's like i need to go Nat naturally make the secret of nim yeah yeah, which is what's cool is what um, they talk about Wizard and, and the Bruiser is that a lot of the people who left with him were women animators who oh, cool. it was a very toxic very cool uh, culture at Disney, unsurprisingly, yeah. in the 70s. But but also the work hours under Down Bluth and his were not were not super chill. <laughs> because okay. again it's that outdoor thing like where where he uh he had like he a wanted... level of excellence that he yes, expected yes. okay he wanted to recreate he wanted to continue this sort of uh lost art of of the hand-drawn animation yeah so yeah yep which honestly i hope that's also robert rodriguez's method too <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like it like uh, in like later in his career, he's like the lost art of these thumb thumbs. He's melty. Yeah, I do hope we see whatever his next movie is. I do hope he brings back the thumb thumbs. That would be a nice Easter egg. I'm sorry, Caitlin. Let's you you had a structure. <laughs> no, this is it's good. I uh, listen to that podcast. No, we I think we we want to hear about Don Bluth. Mm -hmm. So yeah, some of the some of the animals. Let's talk let's talk about some of the wet animals in this in the movies. I mean, I just feel like I can't we can't go any further without addressing Grundle. 
Um, yeah, I mean... I guess you didn't... Maybe you didn't catch uh, the... You'll know who it is, Sophie. Don't worry. It's the Toad from Thumbelina. Oh, okay, yeah. His name is Grundle. <sighs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I lost my mind when... I mean, if you want to talk about a wank... Uh, a uh, a wet, dank area in a human's body. It would most yeah. certainly be the grundle. So, I think I think this is literally proving our point that this is purposeful and they know what they're doing <laughs> and they've just never told the world. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you mean that uh, that wetness? I think it's is a conspiracy. A that... I think wetness is a conspiracy in the media industry. Given given the fact that someone is blatantly calling. A character Grundle, Grundle, and the Grundle happens to be a very wet, dank, dark area of oh. the human body. I mean, come on, that's like a little jab. It's a little Easter egg in the world of animation and potentially the world of media. You can't see it, but Mark is uh, putting a red string between a a picture of uh, Keanu Reeves, a human Grundle, and a human Grundle. <laughs> Yeah, Mark, and he's sweating oh, man. profusely. Profusely. Yeah, profusely, yeah. buddy, when did you cover your entire wall and maps and stern? When 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 you when you guys asked me to come <laughs> on this podcast, I just got to work. Yeah. I I like <sighs> when Charo calls her son Grundle. You are going to marry my son Grundle. I'm what? I hearing Charo's voice, which I can't believe I remembered Carol Channing's voice in that movie, but I didn't remember that Charo was in that movie. And she's in just that one scene. It was yeah. not necessary. I was so I upset. It. I was like, on top of this just being a horrible movie, this movie is also racist now. And I was oh, just yeah. like, it's like, for no reason. Like, why? No, First no. of all, why was the movie in France? <laughs> They didn't want it to be in France. They clearly didn't want it to be in France based on in... all of the characters. The only, like, It felt like the only person who was French was the narrator and it was blatantly a terrible French accent. Yes. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I was very, sh I had to keep being like, where, where are we? Are like, <laughs> I think this is the, how the Romney household teaches their children about different cultures. <laughs> <laughs> well, that has to be it. That yeah, has be to be it. it. Oh my god. So the thing that I noticed, obviously in Nim, we I think we touched upon it quickly, was just the amount of disgust when drawing the characters. And mm -hmm. for someone who's so prominent and powerful within the movie to be drawn with such grossness and disgust mm -hmm. as like Nicodemus mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. I think is like kind of powerful the fact yes, that he is yes. such this figure mm -hmm. and yet he is like decrepit covered in moles all over his body mm -hmm. even his wizardry is just kind of wet and like gross mm -hmm. uh, and he's got those just big yellow eyes I um, loved it same with the, it owl, was fantastic. the owl too I think yep. oh, the owl too must have been in the lab it was unclear but very yeah it was it was unclear on that but i would think so but yeah that owl and like nicodemus is covered in spider webs there's a mustiness to it yeah yes. that is he's, yes. he's obsessed with like he's obsessed with the dank yes um, the dank and dank he's obs there are so many shots of i was trying to like track all of them and there was too many in both movies where you you get a shot down like a dank dark hole uh Tunnel, sorry, tunnel, where you get it shot down a dank tunnel and it's all covered in drippy cobwebs and then you go into that dank tunnel. He just loves doing that to you. And the spider webs in particular were so, wow, like his style of animation is so fluid and yes, yeah. really beautiful mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that the, the spider webs are like it dripping so down. Yeah. yeah, like um, when the owl flies away, he's literally covered in cobwebs at the end. It's like all over his wings and everything, and they're literally fluttering with him as he flies. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is so wet. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, and so especially the animals in Nim, I kept thinking like with the cat and 
the owl in particular, I was like, those Mm -hmm. are two animals that are pretty hard to make, like, terrifying. Like, Mm -hmm. owls are really cute. Like, Mm -hmm. they're always depicted as really cute. And same with cats. And I was like, that is, that owl is, like, not just a terrifying owl, but, like, a terrifying character in in all of of children's Mm -hmm. movies. So scary. And yet it's, like, not a character, like, it's not a scary character. It's, like, Mm -hmm. a wise character. Right. um, Which I loved. I put up side by side um, a picture of the owl from Nim and the owl from Winnie the Pooh, and then the cat from uh, Nim, and then the cat from Cinderella. Which mm-hmm. the cat from Cinderella is an evil cat, like that's mm-hmm. an evil character, mm-hmm. and yet it's so much more adorable than <laughs> the monstrosity that is Dragon. <laughs> yeah, the cat. I mean, if you want to talk differences between what. Bluth did at Disney and what he did with his own stuff. There was a mouse cut another mouse's stomach like clear open, um, <laughs> yeah. and you saw it happen. And I, I like I loved this movie as a kid, and as I watched it back, I was like, "Who let me watch this? <laughs> yeah. Like this is this is out like for for a children's film. This is like pushing the envelope into like from G to like PG." On the fact that there is blood and violence, like yeah. mice were getting stabbed. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Which I'm gonna call it. Um, I can't remember his name. The bad guy at the end. Jenner. Yes. Jenner. Gets hit in the yeah. in the spine with a with a with a thrown dagger. I mean, come on. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, can I say my my Jenner joke? Yes, yes. please. Jenner, the most scheming Jenner since Chris. <laughs> oh yes that's so good <laughs> please cut that out no i'm gonna leave it in i'll probably i'll probably put in a little no, like her just kind of screaming or something okay great <laughs> i've seen you guys through so much that you do that i have to put up with great uh but there yes you're right there's an existential terror infused into this movie in a way that like is wet and is very undisney you're you're never meant to feel comfortable you you're never you're always supposed to like feel this discomfort at all every moment in the movie even up until the end when i was like is that how it ends is that the ending (laughs) (laughs) you mean when like it's abrupt (laughs) yes Uh, the, the only thing that i thought was weird and that i couldn't i still haven't quite figured out why this is done the whole area where the rats live in the rose bush is mm-hmm. so dank dark mm-hmm. wet mm-hmm. cobwebby but then as soon as you get towards like into their great hall all of a sudden it's dry as shit and i i couldn't wrap my head around why that was if that was meant to be like this is because we have such great knowledge but yet we're rats, so we have to live in this dank area, or if it was meant to be something else. And I've been like thinking about that since I watched the movie again, because pretty much everywhere else that the rats live is so dark and so mm-hmm. so dank. And the same thing with the owl, everything is so wet. But then you get to like the farm is very mm-hmm. dry, except for the machinery. I thought the mm-hmm. though the machinery is appears as very dry I actually felt that it was still kind of wet in nature and maybe that's just from the long shots of it but um it was really weird to me that that one aspect of where they lived was so pristine so Mm -hmm. so clean literally you couldn't find they didn't even show Nicodemus in that scene and I think that that was purposefully Mm -hmm. done even though they were talking about him yeah so I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that, but I just wanted to bring it up as like a something that was bothering me after I watched the film and was purposefully looking for wetness. I couldn't wrap my head around why that was. So why it was dry? Like, why it was so dry in that in. one? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just really strange. I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's a dig at politics in general. The fact mm-hmm. that that all the good stuff is is happening in these areas that's dank, dark. And, you know, those people are the ones who actually make moves and the people that are in this pristine area, you know, aren't really getting anything done because they're just scheming and trying to basically stop plans. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. the that might be what it is. I don't I don't really know. I don't know. Yeah. And and also my favorite scene, the escape from the NIM laboratory with the beagle shot. (laughs) That's also very, very 
well, it's horrifying and it's very dry, very dry. They do fall down. You see some mice fall down some sewers. Yep. Ooh, I was like, I'm glad you identified that. Yeah, we are three we for are three, three with tubes into sewers. Yeah. Push, push the sewer button. I don't know if you guys have oh, yeah. one. Of those. Sploosh, sploosh, sploosh. Uh, I wish there had been a sewer in Thumbelina, but that was just the whole movie. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, yes. Oh, okay. Here's. I tried to find a, something about a hole in Thumbelina. I tried really hard. There's not a sewer, but there is a line in Carol Channing's song, the Marry the Mole song, where she says, Just think of all the ways that you can decorate a hole. <laughs> I was like, why would you put that in the song? Oh, speaking while we're talking about songs, did you see who Don Bluth thought was like, the perfect choice for a composer Barry for Manilow. the, mu- the Barry music Manilow. I've been I've been Barry sitting Manilow. on that this whole time because I was like, when are we going to talk about Barry Manilow? And I'm so happy that someone paid attention at the very beginning. Yes. I laughed so hard because I was like, what a... St-. I did, first off, I didn't know that he was a, any sort of composer, which is great. I didn't think the music was yeah. bad. Um, no, I, I just found it fascinating that Barry Manilow was was the main reason behind the music, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did too. I think it was because like he, what would a, if a Mormon is sitting there being like, what's like a, we need like a hot um, music artist for this movie. And like a Mormon would be like, Ooh, yeah. Barry Manilow. <laughs> super, super dry musician, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Very, like the driest very, of dry. Dry musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then yeah. when you have Charo and Carol Channing use those gargly, amazing voices. Again, I want to say yeah. that this I, I could only aspire to make the noises that these women are making in these songs. Oh, it is just, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Not only that, when Gilbert Godfrey showed up. Oh, yeah. That that surprised I like, me. I forgot that he was in this movie. I, I was shocked. <laughs> Hiya, Toots. Beetle's my name and Razzmatazz is my game. How do you do? How you feeling? Everything okay? I was like, what? what? Why am I put, being put through these trials? Like, I love Gilbert. Gilbert Gottfried. I think great voice work. Yeah. But I was just like... It was like two thirds the way through the movie, and I was just like, I can't do this. He was like in like coming up on like peak fame at that point too. Yeah, exactly. Like I think this was probably close, close to or right before he did Aladdin. So. Right. I I have some like political thoughts <laughs> about the about Nim. Okay, let's um, do it. Yeah, so it's a little bit. Although Nim again has such a wonderful female protagonist there it was a pretty right-wing movie the the rats main motivation is that they no longer want to steal electricity from humans (laughs) yeah i kept being like why are they focusing on that detail they were kidnapped tortured and like injected with a serum that allows them uh, like to use magic and and apparently allows them to plan coups too. It gives them a, a, the ability to do treachery. Well, because the the main thing that it does is gives yeah. them the ability to read. That's the main yes. thing that it does, yes. and then everything yeah. else kind of mm-hmm. comes from that. I I think. But the fact that they're worried about stealing from yeah. hu- humans that have legitimately harm harmed them yeah and that they and that they've had friends die it's just it's a little weird i understand like i understand that you know they gotta go to thorn valley where all the <laughs> electricity is yeah. <laughs> what? again what was the plan you haven't heard of the thorn valley electricity company there's like a huge power plant that's right there <laughs> well okay so what i did love about this movie and just I love in general. I I love stories about about rodents. I love rodents. I do. I get I get why Mr. Bluth likes likes to animate rodents. I love them. I 
I will say, so The Secret of Nim is based on a Newbery Medal Award winning book called mm-hmm. Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. And mm-hmm. it's like one of my favorite children's books of all time. And it's the exact same thing, but the only difference besides them changing the name Frisbee to Brisbee mm-hmm. for copyright reasons, so they didn't want it mixed up with the Frisbee, like the disc that you throw. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Caitlin, I have a question about the book. Yes. Does it also start with a line, I'm sorry about your husband's death? I think so. Honestly, it's it's this, like, it's that real. Yeah, it's, it's like right off the bat. Yeah, it starts with like, she's a widowed mouse whose husband recently died and she's going to like talk to his friend. Um, and, who, yeah, it, it really and is. And what a complex entry uh-huh. to, for like kids to even watch because you, you're introduced to Nicodemus in in the first scene and then you don't see him until like Mm -hmm. three quarters of the way through the movie. Like, yeah. Like what a weird arc to like bring children through and be like, okay, remember that guy from the very beginning that we introduced you to who was like writing about, yeah, that's this guy. Like talk. I don't even understand how I understood this movie when I was young. I think I just liked it for the sword fighting and stabbing. (laughs) Yeah. It has a very, um, uh, what is that? the Redwall series mm-hmm. that like again i love i love little rodents that wear armor and fight <laughs> and um yeah it has that feel and oh so the the only other difference besides changing her name uh from the book to the movie is there's no like supernatural magic element in the book which i don't want to mm-hmm. like i understand adaptations need to be made and i i like both versions a lot i i really love Mm -hmm. the book that like the power that the rats have the the only power that they have is intelligence which stems from them learning to read and that's all they they need them for there's there's no like magical element involved but i liked that i liked that in the movie and i think Don Bluth was like, ah, are you telling me I don't get to animate any magic in this movie? I it, That's like my signature thing that I do. So he just needed to put that in there. I think, too, I, I mean, and going back to my conspiracy, I think that reading <laughs> wasn't a wet enough idea. And Bluth is literally just like, how can I make things more wet? Well, let's give him magic because yeah. my magic is wet as fuck. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's make their eyes glow. And just like that sparkly on the Mm. on the chain of the amulet. And it was the same. And the green uh, orb, the green weird orb thingy Mm -hmm. at the beginning and like somewhere in the middle, too. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I saw a lot of uh, cinematic parallels to the Matrix. (gasps) There was the um, one of my favorite scenes is when uh, Mrs. Brisby decides that She's going to do the same thing her husband did that killed him. Mm-hmm. And you see just the wall of water behind her. <gasps> yeah. It's very, I'm very matrixy, like the, the bridge. There's also like that general in the Ratscape, that pond scum film yeah. on, mm-hmm. on, mo- on most of the things. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I had something to ask Mark because Mark, you said that the farm equipment in NIM wasn't very, wasn't particularly wet. But I, I could not handle that scene where like it's raining and then I don't, they're like trying to stop the machine or something. They're trying to stop the plow and Mm -hmm. they like pull the, they, I don't know, they pop something and this like red juice starts spilling (laughs) out of it. And why was it, why was it like, it was just endless red juice that (laughs) was frankly looked delicious, but and now, now that now that you're now that you're mentioning it, right? I feel like Bluth might be like looking at things that like when when we look at the world at such like a large scale, it's very easy to take away all of the all the details that are gross and think people basically just like look past that stuff. But mm-hmm. then when you get on like that microcosm level of of like a mouse and something that's that small. Mm-hmm. Things are a lot more detailed than what they seem, and things are not as dry yeah, as true. they seem. Mm. Because, like, obviously the plow itself looks super dry. It's, it, it didn't even look that, I mean, it was old, but it didn't look, didn't have any mildew or anything on it. But then when you get underneath it, and you see all the lines that are connecting everything and making things work, the things that are making stuff work is the wetness, is the dankness, mm-hmm. 
which leads me back to the reason that maybe the rose bush and everything is so wet and dank outside of that area where they make decisions because the stuff that's actually getting done is behind the scenes and it's not in that crystal clean dry room it's outside of that that's where stuff is actually getting done that's the nitty-gritty that's the grime that's the wetness mm -hmm. dank mm -hmm. so you've like are you presenting like a a marxist theory of, of wetness <laughs> or 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 just a, a class a class theory of of wetness and dryness the wetter you are the more you're actually doing to make society work and oh. the drier you are i mean yeah, yeah kinda. I, I, I i might be i'd be intrigued i'd be intrigued to see any movie that's gonna tear that one down yeah yeah i agree no i would agree same in the matrix it's like outside of the matrix it's disgusting inside of the matrix where like the robots make the decisions. It's it's very it's very dry. It's drier. And even the underground in the Matrix, where the people like Neo are like, mm -hmm. you know, um, hacking things and stuff like that. They're all like very wet based characters. Mm -hmm. And then anything that's like corporate political is like dry, super yeah. dry. Mm -hmm. So okay, so mm -hmm. I yeah, something I was thinking about this this week was like. The movies that we've watched so far tend to have, especially these two and The Matrix, but I, I would argue even Spy Kids has like a like a darker darker tone to it than yeah. other like goofy kids movies of the time. So is there something to sort of darkness and not not just like light, uh, the opposite of light, but um, thematically dark? um darker darker mm. topics and stuff is there something between that and wetness and uh and what does that mean you know i would say yes i i wrote down the words like they're the existential wetness mm. like uh there's a dark horrifying reality that is part of life it's not all everything there's still love mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and and beauty but there there is bad things happen children <laughs> and and you have to deal with that no I agree. I agree. I think that the, the wetness and everything is sort of a lot of the times when used correctly, wetness and darkness is like a really easy way to like portray a villain. Mm -hmm. Sure. But when used properly, it's also used to be like, hey, this is what's real. Not everything is shiny. Not everything is pristine. Not everything is clean cut. Mm -hmm. Things are are wet, things are dark, things are gray. It's not going to be great all the time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like especially like the way that Bluth sort of does things, it seems like that's what he's trying to get at is like, look, the rats, like life isn't great. And they've they've had some hardships and the stuff that was bad for them actually like at Nim was dry as shit. And then when they're living on their own and doing so great, you know, everything is wet because it's reality. They're embraced their own reality and there's aspects of their reality that are dry and there are aspects of the reality that are wet. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I agree. Yeah. Do we want to talk about critical wet moments? Yeah, let's talk We've about We've kind of been talking about them. Talk about some critical wet moments. Um, yeah, I will just, again, I think we can't talk enough about how wet the toads are in Thumbelina because the the wet honestly the wettest moment for me was when Charo called her son Grundle. I just can't <laughs> I can't get past it. That's that's so wet. So good. Yeah, Sophie, what was it what was a critical wet moment for you? Oh, it's gotta be that cinder block of child of mouse children sinking into the mud. Oh. And the the mud bubbles, the sounds the mud bubbles made. Yeah, yeah, they and they were in the mud for a long time. Like, no, I wrote down. I was like, they're drowning. They're drowning, drowning in mud in right mud. now. <laughs> Poor Timmy, like, was out for the whole movie. He didn't know like any of this had happened. Oh yeah, he's just gonna wake up wake in a up, fever fever after a fever a different dream. Place. Yeah. Oh. oh man. Uh for me, critical wet moment was in Nim, and I think it was like the first time that I noticed not wetness because I noticed it most of the time, but when they go to see the owl, mm -hmm. like literally that moment where they're inside and you see all of the cobwebs everywhere and they're like coming by, but the cobwebs almost like 
flow yes. rather than are just like dry cobwebs. There, there, there's like a liquidity to yes, them. Yes, absolutely. And the way that they like blow in the breeze and everything, that to me, I was like, okay, yeah, I know, mm-hmm. I know what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. This is going to get pretty, uh, pretty wet here. Uh, so that was my moment. Yeah, when when the owl says like. Strap inside my house. Yes, exactly. Right there. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Spot on. Another one for me is when, I haven't talked as much about Thumbelina, is Giacomo's pronunciation of the word barley corn. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if I can recreate it. Barley, barley, barley corn. I can't. <laughs> You're gonna have to put it in fine, hey, Caitlin. And I will. Put it in yes, because it was. I lost my shit. Yeah. Oh, and again, when he says, "I am a swallow of great passion," I was like, <laughs> "You can't say that." <laughs> uh, but and yeah, and I also even like the the entrance of Thumbelina when like the do, the flower covered in dew just like. Op- slowly Open. opens to reveal a little like puddle of lady like she's a little little puddle yeah. the cows describe her as a funny little squirt oh gross yeah I they do i didn't pick up on that <laughs> nice oh thank you barry manilow i have a question okay at the end she has wings uh, yeah how, why <laughs> how did how <laughs> Maybe I I imagine a lot of this. She was a fairy all along. I, I, I imagine don't know. a lot of this was Hans yeah. Hans Christian Andersen's fault. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, I've never read the Hans Christian Andersen version of Thumbelina. I can't imagine there's a character named Grundle in it, but I. <laughs> oh, there probably is. <laughs> That's actually where we get the word oh. Grundle is from. Hans oh my Christian god! Like Grundle. Grundle is just it's such a great I can't get I can't get over Grundle. The he says the word beetle at one point and he's like <laughs> I can't even do it because I I'll make myself throw up. But the way that he says beetle and like his tongue doesn't fit in his mouth because he's a toad. I he can't help it. He's a toad. His tongue doesn't fit in his mouth. I get it. But yeah. He, oh, and he's always picking his teeth. He's always picking his teeth and like spitting something out. <laughs> now we see about this beetle. He was just. I didn't care for the characterization. <laughs> didn't of, care for it. I didn't care for the characterization of Grundle. <laughs> did not care for it. But Caitlin, I have to ask you: Did you discover any new holes? You don't. You don't have any holes? Nope. <laughs> oh, all right. So <laughs> let's see. Um, what what um what area of the podcast <laughs> are we getting into? <laughs> well, because I so in the Matrix episode, we talk about the scene where it's like a tracking device or yeah. something. Yeah, that's put inside. into Neo, and they and they suck it out of his belly button. Yeah, and I just kind of um still don't get that because i kept calling the belly button a hole and sophie kept being like we have to stop because it's not and i kept being like but it kind of is and it's not it's just not but i still can't she wrap thought my brain around it that in real life a bug if it crawled into your belly button it would like go inside your body <laughs> like I think that. Like, I mean, if it if it if it could break yeah, through your skin, yeah. I yeah. think that Caitlin, you didn't. Did you not think there was like skin there? I think I still think that your belly button is like a. It'll it'll be like a tube, like a little tube that goes in really far. <laughs> and then, and then like it, like no matter like no matter how how closed up it gets, there'll always still yeah, be a tiny little yeah. hole that something could get through. Yeah, that I respect really, that. But I don't. That's not right. But I just can't. I can't. But and you were so convinced. So, you almost you had me second guessing. I was like, wait, is <laughs> um, yeah. I just so. Let's see the the new hole. I mean, I do think that I was very shocked at the end of of Nim. I knew that the plan was going to go wrong because Jenner 
said that he was going to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. He was going to sabotage it. So I knew that they weren't going to get through the move successfully without something going wrong. But I will say, I never in a million years thought it was going to be that the house gets sucked into a mud mm-hmm. hole. Yep. And the goopy sounds in that mud hole. So that, yeah, that was a very surprising hole yep. for me. And Je- but, but Jenner, you know, like, walked us through the plan and again i think this is my issue with a lot of these movies is they don't always like i'm like unclear on the plan like in spy kids like i didn't understand minions plan and like the rats the thorn valley i didn't understand that and jenner had like a clear that he was like i'm gonna kill nicodemus and these rat and these mouse children profit yeah <laughs> he was like then then everyone will like me and then and then we'll we'll stay in the rosebush and get killed in the rosebush right but what's the what was the i never understood the reason for staying in the rosebush is it just because it's they it's a hassle to move is that what he's trying <laughs> he to get at he's like we don't want to we don't like, want to move we're we're near death but I like, like who cares here, like making our own electricity sounds hard He's like, oh, we would like, we're gonna have to like bug a bunch of our buddies to come help us move, and nobody's gonna want to do it. Everybody's we have to rent a U-Haul. Yeah, I w- I kept wondering that too. I was like, why doesn't he? What isn't he getting about like? It doesn't matter because his whole thing was, I don't mind stealing electricity. Let's stay here. Okay. And they wanted to move to not steal electricity from the humans anymore, and. I kept being like, yeah, but nobody's going to have electricity. You're not going to have any electricity right. when you Where get bulldozed. Get so we, yeah, again, I, I didn't, I didn't see the, the blueprints. I didn't see. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so then Sophie, you must have appreciated in Thumbelina, the very simple <laughs> plan, which just over and over was marry Thumbelina. <laughs> that marry was Thumbelina. the. <laughs> marry Thumbelina. Yeah. That's. And five different times. <laughs> Also, maybe, like, have her sing for me as a part of that full stop. Yeah. But as far as any new holes, yeah, I think maybe the idea that there are holes that are mouse-sized but not intelligent rat-sized is is one. Oh, yes. Is a key element that I didn't consider. And you see the reverse of that with the big hole in in the laboratory where the rats were, like, Fine, but a lot of the mice they got fell down. Yeah, they yeah. got sucked yeah. away. That was so was sad. Really sad. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have to add to the whole complex idea, but I guess mine would be having the courage to ask for help was a hole that Mrs. Brisby went down to even walk into the hole within the tree to go see the owl. I found that uh, pretty powerful because she was basically going in there and saying, like, you know, I I need some help here. I don't know what to do. My son's about to die. Where do I go? And it was, you know, to save her family. I mean, she's a single mother. She had to be done. So I thought that that was a pretty powerful thing. And, you know, good on Miss Brisby for for being a rock star. Yeah, and I I sort of – I wasn't, like, making fun of it necessarily, but I was, like, talking earlier about, like, oh, Don Bluth loves, like, pondering – going down a dank tunnel and then going down that tunnel but every time that that happens the the character is staring down that dank tunnel because of something they have to like get yeah. over in themselves mm-hmm. to um to overcoming fear to go down there and then mm-hmm. and then he takes you down there at almost like showing the viewer hey like we're gonna go down here too and it's all gonna be okay it's gonna get dark and dank and drippy for a little while but it's all gonna be okay and uh and her i'm like legit gonna cry Mm -hmm. and her taking on again kind of for she's like kids who are in harm's way chill i need to take on my husband's mission that was so important to this these people that these rats that he was like a part a part of and were so important to his history and her taking on that 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 mission that 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 he died in and like completing it and just like ugh yeah like for her to like in that scene she literally Nicodemus is like we'll take care of it we'll find a way she literally walks right. out 
and then is like, I can't, I can't let this happen, turns around. She's like, I'm the only thing that's going to make this happen for them and turns around and comes right back. And she goes, Whereas I'm going like, to do it. Like that was pretty impactful. <laughs> Whereas like, again, amazing. I don't want to, Thumbelina also is, is a child. She shouldn't have to make big decisions, but she, she would have tried to marry the, or she would have been married to the cat. She was. She would have married there, that. And she would have been like, yeah. okay, yeah. Again, not to blame her. It's just, it's. And the the fact that that the secret of Nim came out ten years before Thumbelina. Yeah, too, yeah. Is like. I think it. I think it. I mean, I think it sort of shows from Don Bluth's perspective. At the same time, is like no matter how much you try to pave your way, it seems like Thumbelina <laughs> yeah. is yeah. sort of the the man kind of getting to him to an extent because yeah. i mean i mean like nim and thumble you can't even really like the subject matter is so much greater in nim mm-hmm. and there's so much more realism to what's going on there as opposed to what's going on in thumbelina which is yeah. who's gonna marry this this very young very short girl i mean come on yeah and i i agree that maybe he i think he was like this is... I'm not calling him a sellout. I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it was him just being like, I have to I have to put something out that's like comparable to what other studios are doing that audiences yeah. are really receptive to. Because in Nim, there's no song. There's like, there's cool right. music. Like, I love the score of it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. But there's not... And I maybe there is one song that plays There's like, one song the aunt, uh, the auntie Shrew sings, I think, at one point. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, other but like Thumbelina is like a mu- one of those like Disney musical style musical. Yeah. movies and mm-hmm. I I think he was like trying to make something and then he was like, "Okay, fine. But that but I'm going to do Thumbelina. And it's going to be weird and there's going to be a character named Grundle." So, <laughs> try to stop me. Yeah. yeah. And I do want to say as someone who I, I did say that they would maybe choose Cypher's choice. <laughs> I understand, Thumbelina. I would also be like, I can't get home. Like, this is weird. Like, I give up. Yeah, when she's, when when Carol Channing's like, you it's gotta weather. marry the mole. It's cold. And she's like, listen, your friend is dead. The prince is dead. <laughs> the the bird is dead. You, you're, you can't get home. Yeah. You are stuck here. Just marry the mole. And she's like, I kind of was like, yeah, if I thought all of those things, I'd marry them all too. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus, think of all the ways that we can decorate his hole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so should we render a verdict? Yeah, why don't we render each movie separately, maybe? Okay, okay. I will say that Thumbelina is as wet as backstage at a Spice Girls concert. Ooh. And The Secret of Nim is as wet as backstage at a Spice Girls concert if Slimer just, <laughs> just, uh, just trashed it. Just trashed it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my verdict. Um, I have one... I have one for Thumbelina, and then I gotta think about my secret nim. I also only had one if you <laughs> paid attention. <laughs> yeah, I would say that Thumbelina is as wet as a stand-up set about hating your wife, in that it's, like, distasteful and, like, wet in in it, probably in the imagery, but... Mm-hmm. It's it's regressive and you've heard it a few times that it's 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 dry at this point. There was a time it might have been wet and now it is dry. And then uh yeah, I would say that um Thumbelina is as wet as if the Urukai unionized and had their first committee meeting in a cave. <laughs> yes. Yeah, their first union meeting. Which they should, because Saruman. No, seems I want like a that for boss. them. I want that for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. They deserve meat on the menu. <laughs> they deserve meat to be back on the menu, boys. <laughs> um. Okay, so for me, I'll go Thumbelina first. With it being 
almost fall. I'll say Thumbelina is as wet as leaves that have just fallen off of a tree. And Nim is those leaves that I didn't rake up when the snow hits. And then I have to then (laughs) shovel them out because they are soaking wet underneath the piles of snow. Um, That's Nim. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love it. That's perfect. And this episode is sponsored by Extreme Hole Decorators, now on HGTV. <laughs> yes, um, and and stay tuned for the su- the spinoff series premiering soon, Hole Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, so thank you, Mark, so much for being here. This was really fun, yeah. this episode, to wrangle another person into having this conversation with us. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you? Where can people find you? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, you can find me on um, Instagram and on TikTok. My handle is content underscore you underscore don't underscore need. Uh, I make a lot of sketch videos for Instagram and TikTok. That's pretty much it. And you can find me somewhere in Massachusetts. I don't know where I'll be at that point. <laughs> Yo. Oh, yeah. You mean literally like where where can we find you tonight? Where? <laughs> yes. yes. I'm not going to give you my address, but. I don't have you on my find my friends, but. But yeah, no, check out, check out Mark. It actually, some of the content, spoiler alert, I find quite necessary. Yeah. I find it vital. So, uh, well, at the very least, I think it I think it's as vital as this podcast. So, <laughs> so we really appreciate people who've been supporting this and who have volunteered to help us with mastering the episode and doing everything else and and helping helping our our little little baby. Um, yeah. And thanks to listeners like you. Oh. When you follow your heart Is it wet? This has been a production of Mess and Finesse, a comedy label based out of Somerville, Massachusetts. If you want to hear more of this program or shows like this, please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit messandfinesse.com or follow us at Mess and Finesse on social media. Thank you for listening.